Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. I think it was more a soulful sense of failing at the most important thing in my life. And just, I mean, you know, the feeling of a parent to a child. Yeah. Um, Just that consumed by that guilt, maybe. The words of Jim Moore, a successful businessman who lost everything to a world of addiction. But yet God was not done with Jim, and this is the story of a miraculous comeback and healing. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. This is Life Support, hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson from Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. My name is Steve Johnson, director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program, and our goal, as always, is to use story to bring hope and healing. And now let's join the conversation with Pastor Paul. Hey, really good to have you on Life Support. What we do on our podcast and on our radio show is we tell stories to help you find a deeper relationship with Jesus through suffering and trauma, because many times that's where Jesus really shows himself, and we're able to find him in a new and profound way. And I have a very special guest with us today. His name is Jim Moore. He does corrections engagement at RCCS, and he'll tell us more about that as we go along. But I'm really glad you're here. Thanks for coming, Jim. It's nice to be on life support. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) So uh, restoration counseling and community services. Yes, sir. Tell me about that. Well, it's it, it's really something I'm passionate about. We'll get to this, too. I'm a graduate of Teen Challenge, worked there for over 10 years, and primarily in the addiction field, but uh, a lot of us have checkered backgrounds, so a lot of criminal in, uh, justice-involved clients. And I always kind of put addiction and criminality together, but I found in my work since then, uh, it should be a disorder, Pastor Paul, criminogenic needs disorder. And the one place that started treating it that way is RCCS. They've, they, with the DOC, um, researched for 20 years, the DOC did, therapeutically addressing the trauma and the underlying driving needs of criminal behavior, attitudes, and thinking. Mm-hmm. And so you got to go to prison to get that, and you got to be <laughs> lucky to get it because 1% of the people get treated in prison. But RCCS is in the community. So... I'm just really passionate about that because substance use, mental health, and criminogenic needs therapy, that's that's my passion. Good for you. Thank well, you. you've got quite a story to that led you there. And why don't you just take us back and kind of set things up? Um, it's, a, it's a tale that's difficult to talk about, I'm sure, but at the end there's Jesus. Yeah. So uh, take us back. Um, tell us a little bit about your son and some of the things that happened that kind of sent you on a, on a different road. Yeah. Well, I used to be a big shot, Pastor Paul. I had a corporate lifestyle. Uh, some people in the Twin Cities may know Larry Wilson, Wilson Learning, Pecos River Learning Center. Spent Part of my career was there, culture change, change management, not to be boastful, but a national spokesperson for them. And it was wonderful, but it was a house of cards. And I was gone most of the time. But I thought I was taking care of my family. Well, Tyler, my firstborn son, um, he had a lot of good things in life, but he didn't have much of me. 
And the tragedy hit. I raised my family a couple of miles from this church. Mm-hmm. He went to Hopkins High School, and he fell really hard to heroin and drugs. And I lost him for about 10 years. I thought he was dead and passed away. And how that impacted me is I just unraveled. It took years for the full unravel. But the psychiatrist told me that it was a traumatic catalytic event. And he said, you've always been a little depressed, haven't you, Mr. Moore? (laughs) I said, well, yeah. And so he diagnosed me with chronic profound depression, Hmm. just so entrenched. So the drug addiction that I progressed into from self-medication, you know what I mean? Yep. Basically became that dual diagnosis, that second disorder. So I had a mental health disorder and uh, chemical dependency disorder. Uh, it wasn't, uh, didn't get really serious since the early 2000s. I almost died of cancer. I, I'm a basket case. <laughs> but I had, I had a 40% chance of living. Wow. That kind of was another catalytic event. Yeah. So uh, it got really bad mid-2000s. And uh, I went to my pastor, and uh, and just a loving, wonderful man. And he said, but I don't have much experience in that, Jim. But he talked to my wife and I. He counseled. He urged me to not just come to church with my family, but to seriously consider bringing Christ into my life. And he said, why don't you check out Minnesota Dalton Teen Challenge? which I'm thinking is a juvenile delinquents facility yeah, right, sure. in South. Yeah. And at that time, yeah. it, I was one of the first suburban mature clients for, for the professional background that they had. It was mostly inner city program, folks coming out of corrections. A lot of people went to Teen Challenge as an alternative to prison. And so I wasn't sure why it was a good fit, but I was so desperate and it was so bad and I'd lost everything. Um, I just, on January 1st, 2007, I went to Teen Challenge, not for the year program. I was, you know, in that in that yeah. uh, trauma thing, you try to compromise. Sure, they had a 60 day program, Pastor Paul. So I said, oh, that's twice as much as the treatment I've done before. So, so that so that kind of got me in, and uh, it was just really interesting. Those first two months, it takes six to nine months to detox off of a chronic addiction, not seven to ten days. So that, but I'm already after about 45 days to go home, and my second grade son said this to me. He said, Daddy, Mommy said if you do the year program, we might get to have all of you back. Wow. Oh. I wow. mean, still, all these years later, I just yeah. can see Jacob's face. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I kind of wanted to, not as a prison sentence, which some people think it is. You know, you're, like, institutionalized. It wasn't even a treatment program. It was like a sabbatical. Mm -hmm. And I had just gotten my first encounters with Christ. And so to me, it was a monastery and one of the best years of my life and based on results because most people struggle and and it's hard to stay sober, you know, long-term chronic issues. But sober, drug-free, crime-free, I was never much of a criminal, but how can you do illegal drugs? Yeah, sure. Criminal behavior. but. Um, And that, and I also, instead of going back to my corporate career, which was consulting and speaking and all that, um, I prayed about it, and I started interning with Teen Challenge. You know, as my my mentor, my Christian mentor said, why don't you let the cement dry? 
mm-hmm. a little jib. Mm-hmm. And so I did. But after six months in the Leadership Institute at Teen Challenge, as an intern, they kind of started seeing that, hey, this guy's got some business acumen. And, and, and they were at that point trying to reinvent Teen Challenge. So it started a wonderful 10-year uh, work with it. So the bottom line with Tyler is uh, I lost him. And I guess the heart of it, Pastor Paul, is I felt I failed as a father. So at that point, you 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 didn't even think he was alive at I that point. I didn't. He went off to follow Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead. Mm-hmm. I heard from my ex-wife that... Uh, that he was that she hadn't heard from him and she thought he was gone well it ended up he was in prison and guess when i heard from him in teen challenge is that right huh his mom gave him the number of teen challenge uh this is many years later and he'd, he'd been in prison for three years looking at a life sentence as a career criminal and he said hey dad do you think teen challenge can help me hmm. Well, it took us a couple of years. He completed prison. And then in about 2010, uh, he came from Washington State to Minnesota, which is tough to get an interstate compact, but the Lord pulled it off. And and he took Teen Challenge. It's been a rocky road. Sure. You know, he, yeah. he still kind of struggles. Yeah. There's something called medication-assisted treatment, and that is whether it be um, – I, I don't know the names of all of the chemicals and drugs. but So he's on a maintenance program. But God bless him. He's sober. He found the Lord. He had known the Lord. But you, you can't, you're marinating for a year in Teen Challenge without drugs or non-productive influences. It was quite transformational. Well, I've had a too. chance to uh, speak a couple of times at Teen Challenges, and uh, there's no place like it. No, uh, the isn't. chapel service, I wish every believer could experience that because to me it was like the early church probably was there's an incredible freedom yeah uh the love that's there the the way they um there's just a freedom to worship um yeah. it's pretty amazing and you can you can feel the power of the holy spirit there and i'm a big believer in teen challenge we're we're fortunate to have them drop by every year here oh, and you uh, do. yeah 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 so it's well, pretty I may cool have passed through in 2007 you may definitely have <laughs> We'll be back to the conversation with Paul and Jim Moore in just a moment. Pastor Paul is hosting this program from a unique perspective, a survivor himself of family trauma, losing both a wife and a son. And that's what life support is all about, survivors in discussion with survivors. My name is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, and we are so pleased to be a co-sponsor of this program. For more about our work, log on to lifesupportresources.org. And now, back to Pastor Paul. So when you experienced this with uh, Tyler, and you said that it hit you hard because you felt like you were... I failed as a father. Yeah. Tell me how you grappled with that and what God has kind of led you through in that process. Well... it must be in some way similar to those folks who lose a child, maybe from an opioid um, overdose or something like that. But uh, just something broke inside of me, Pastor. It was like imploding. And it was so funny because I'd been so successful with groups and working with people. It, it just started all, it took a couple of years, but it all started slipping away. I, the psychiatrist said it was a social anxiety disorder. And uh, 
I, I couldn't lead a group in silent prayer, mm-hmm. you know, as a result of that. So it was that gradual descent into hell, in a way, on earth. And uh, it just, I had some younger sons from my second marriage, and I was less and less of a father to them. And I, I just, it was just that slow slide. And at this point, you didn't have the hope of Christ, so you're kind of grappling this with this on your own? You know, I had, throughout my life, because my mother was really spiritual, I had this deep love for God. I mm-hmm. knew there was something there. I was, uh, I, I took some philosophy classes in college. and That Christ, takes courage, by the way, to do that. You know, Christ was one of those we studied. Is that right? And here's what struck me, because I, I dove into it. Of all the great philosophers, I... The red ink from the Bible, even for a college student in the 60s, right, that environment, there was something about what he said that was totally to me distinct from the others. So here's what I realized, or what I decided. He's the greatest teacher that ever lived. Hmm. That's where he was in my heart. Wow. But it wasn't until I was totally shattered that I I got to meet him. So I, I don't recommend drug addiction as a pathway to salvation, but it worked for me faster. <laughs> Praise God for that. I think I was so prideful. I needed to be shattered, and I was when I went into So was it shame then that was driving that whole descent, or were there just many different things coming together all at once? That Yeah, I, I don't know the shame, because that would be kind of externally focused on other people. Mm-hmm. I think it was more a soulful sense of failing at the most important thing in my life. And just, I mean, you know, the feeling of a, a parent to a child. Yeah. Um, just that consumed by that guilt, maybe. Yeah, guilt. Guilt mm-hmm. would be probably mm-hmm. the, you know, how Satan got a hold of my throat, you know. Yeah. And so at this point, you didn't know where Tyler was. He was following, he, all you knew is that he went to, to follow Jerry Garcia. Yeah, and they ended up in California somewhere. Okay, and then has he filled you in since then about those whole period of that period of time, or are you still? Oh yeah, because yeah. you know once he once he came to Teen Challenge, he he's living back in California now, but he lived here for four or five years. You know, I the, the old let the cement dry, as my mentor would say, mm-hmm. and so oh yeah, we got to know it deeply. Uh, he got very heavy into gang life and addiction in California. That's where he got the career criminal thing kind of going. Um, I, I remember him talking about race wars and black folks. And, you know, he had this SS kind of mm-hmm. uh, tattoo. So, you know, it was just kind of weird, those attitudes that had entrenched themselves in him, you know. So... He had gotten, I mean, he just immersed himself in the dark side of criminality. Uh, He said there's things he wasn't going to tell me because they were just too bad. So, you know, I wasn't pressing. I knew that that it was really, really bad. And, uh, And I knew that he was back. What did that feel like when you discovered that he was still alive and that he had reached out to you? You will make me cry. Uh, the absolute opposite feeling times 10. Just 
just to know he was alive. Uh, and and then over the next year or two, when he actually made it to Teen Challenge, and then a year later, I got to be on the stage with him. I don't know if you've ever been to a Teen Challenge graduation. No, I'm not. Oh, you want to see something. They were open to the public. And Tyler and I were up on stage. And uh, he gave me my life back. He gave me my son back. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just that uh, emotional, moving, um, oh gosh, something I had prayed for and I hoped for, but I never really thought would come. And then when it did, it was so surreal. And it still is. It was a miracle. I mean, how many times does someone get to experience a unadulterated, couldn't possibly happen, you know what I mean, miracle yeah. mm-hmm. uh, around something that's one of the most important things of your life? Wow. So how did he know you were in Teen Challenge? And um, what, and what, my ex-wife what, in Seattle. Is that right? Yeah, I had heard mm-hmm. from somebody who heard from somebody, you know, that I was. And so, you know, she would visit him in prison in Washington State. And so it was, you know, that's how he found out. The other funny thing is they never let you answer a phone call at Teen Challenge, but not on that day. Wow. The program staff, God bless them, brought the cell phone to my room and said, somebody wants to talk to you. And it was from uh, prison in Washington State. And there he was. And there he was. Wow. And so as you reflect back on that period of time when you were really – when you you didn't think that was going to happen, you were kind of descending, you're struggling, you're falling into addiction. Was there any sense of what God might be doing or if he was involved with you at all at that point? Or was it so far removed from you at that time that you were just totally lost? I was lost. I mean, this is a pre-teen challenge. Tried a couple of treatments. I thought they were like cancer. You get surgery, you get you get chemotherapy. You get better. And, and then mm-hmm. I kept relapsing. And so it got really, really hopeless. Um, one of my beloved sons called me a pathetic old man. Mm-hmm. And so I'd lost my younger sons kind of in, in all of that. And something I didn't mention, and I don't talk about a lot, but um, it came to a point where I uh, pulled over down by the Lake Street Bridge. And I was going to jump off the bridge. This would have been before Christmas, maybe 2006. And uh, and then I got kind of hid in the back of the van and took a nap. And I've told people nobody came. No dead poets. No great philosophers. But it's, it's somebody was in the van. How do you explain that? And... And I remember as I was contemplating, just this feeling came over me. I can still feel it is, you know, Jim, if you jump off that bridge, they're not going to be better off without you. It will be the most selfish thing you have ever done. So I fell asleep, and uh, the next morning I went home and confessed to my family my drug addiction. I was down to 160 pounds, and they thought it was the chemo and the depression and people in Hopkins freaked Jim Moore I I mean Little League coach Glen Lake Park the word gets out that I was a cocaine addict some of my son's children's friends parents wouldn't let them play with them 
they were ostracized. Just a, not a lot of that exploded in Hopkins, at least back at that time, right? Mm-hmm. And so, um, anyway, I've started rambling. And no, you're doing track of no. This I is am. an amazing. It's That's an amazing why I love story. A pastor to guide me. <laughs> <laughs> but you were in the van, and you you felt like God, or something was at least at that point you weren't sure who that was now you know who that was you know i i was pretty sure at the time that mm-hmm. it was jesus mm-hmm. i mean it it just but that's so uh that's so not church culture these days we don't talk about miracles we aren't expecting miracles yeah. we kind of go by what we see and here you are experiencing yeah. i mean that was not even the miracle that he experienced with your son. That was even before that. And so it, God it was, was already at work. Yeah. Yeah. And so I have had cancer twice now, uh, in, almost suicide, um, chronic drug addiction. Gosh, a couple others. I should be dead or, or in prison, Pastor. Mm-hmm. Ten times over. Mm-hmm. Now, are we talking a miracle yeah. there? And, and look at me. I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm still emotional. I, I don't do meds anymore for the depression. Uh, I talked to my psychiatrist, and I said, as someone once said, it's the pain of too much tenderness. I like these feelings. And in Christ, those deep emotional feelings, they're purposeful. Yeah, don't lose that ever. No, 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 no. 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 And the medication, I mean, medication is an important thing to stabilize. Sure. But I had gotten so medicated mm-hmm. that I'm about six months into Teen Challenge, and, and and I'm praying, and there's a So I went to my psychiatrist, and I said, um, I think it's the Wobutrin. I'd, I'd like you to wean me off of it. And Christ is working with me. And he smiled, and that's what he said. I'm glad you brought up Christ. I'm a Christian, Jim. Wow. And I can't bring it up unless you do. Wow. And he said, let's do this. Let's just take you out the meds for two weeks and see what happens. If the depression comes back, we'll get you back on it. So guess what happened two weeks later? The depression came back, but it came back different. Hmm. These deep, emo- emotionally, easily moved to tears, uh, a depth I'd never known before. Mm-hmm. So as long as I stay sober mm-hmm. and close to Christ, it's one of the greatest blessings of my life. I, I think it's the heart of Christ in me. Yeah. You know, because yep. he had a lot of heart. Amen. Oh, yeah. I don't. He had sadness. I remember the first yeah. verse I memorized. Yeah. Jesus wept. Well, he looked back on Jerusalem and his heart was broken. Oh. And oh. don't ever lose that. We've got. No, and I we've don't want to it away or drug yeah, it away. Yeah, no, no. But we, if you we start have taking a heart, drugs. We need more heart in our churches. We need people we like you. And, and passion like and you. vulnerability. Yeah. Um, but but just so folks know that uh, the drugs, uh, I think, are, are Satan's way. I'm not a Satan kind of thing, but the drugs really corrupt that feeling. Because I'd always been, I think, a deep emotional person. And it was part of why I was effective as a speaker and a group facilitator. Sure. But it was so corrupted by the drugs into this toxic despair. And without drugs and with Christ... Uh, it's I, I love my children and all that, but I don't love anything like him and me. Yeah, good for you. I mean, 
above all and all else, and not even in a competitive way. Yeah, it's yeah. like no, no, no. It's, they're not. It's not a competition because there's mm-hmm. nothing like him. It's your driving force in your life. Exactly. Now. Yeah, and, and I it want has you... been for 15 years now. Wow. Well, I we haven't even scratch some of the surface of this so i hope you come back next time and it's very brave to tell your story and i really appreciate you doing that so we'll look forward to seeing you next time thanks a lot jim god bless you pastor what a what a great story And you know jim is talking about life change he's talking about the power of god the power of the holy spirit and you know the apostle paul was totally tuned in to the power of christ in his life and he knew that any good thing that was happening wasn't him it was the power of Christ in him. And in Second Corinthians 4, 8, the Bible tells us that we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair. And the reason Paul could write those words is because he knew the power of Christ. And you might feel right now that you're, that you're finished. You, you've gone too far. There's no hope for you. You might be in the back of a van metaphorically, that Jim talked about. Maybe you think it's the end, but please know that God is still with you. He does not forsake you, and you can still turn to him even at this hour, right now. Don't let Satan convince you that you're beyond repair, and that's why we do this this program, Life Support, because we want you to know that Jesus is there, and often during suffering is when he emerges in the most beautiful of ways, and so We just praise God for Jim's story and so many others. I want to thank our partners, Faith Radio, and uh, you can see uh, their their programming, and you can hear an audio version of this again at MyFaithRadio.com. The video version of this podcast is at FiveStoneMedia.com, and check us out here at Ridgewood Church as well at MyRWC.org. So glad you were with us. We'll catch you next time right here on Life Support. Thanks for listening to this Life Support Podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.